Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, it's a good day. It's Victory Monday. I know that that's something that like Broncos fans say, like all the radio stations, like our Broncos podcast, they all talk about Victory Monday. I feel like maybe that's like an everybody thing. Maybe that's a Broncos thing. Either way, I feel like stealing it because today is just a, <laughs> a nice day. You know, we, we talked to Carl Durrell for probably half an hour or so today, and uh, it, it's just so nice to have positive things to talk about. You know, you're not saying, so the defense got gashed. You gave up touchdowns on 80% of the drives. How are you going to, you know, that kind of stuff. It's a lot more big picture, happy, forward thinking, positive type stuff. And uh, it's, it's just nice. It's just nice. Um, hopefully they can do it again this week. Um we do have some notes to get through today. Uh, we're going to be talking about what Carl said this morning. He was the only one we heard from. Um, and then throughout this week, we'll kind of talk more and more about Stanford. I have a couple of quick thoughts today, but I still haven't had a chance to go back and watch their game against Oregon. Um, so we'll, we'll slowly build toward talking about Stanford throughout the week. Um, well, else to look forward to? Uh, I'm talking to David Shaw on, on a conference call. It's not like a one-on-one. I did have a one-on-one with David Shaw last year, though, the head coach at Stanford. Actually, let's start this right now. Since it is Stanford week, I think we should all learn what the title is for Stanford's head coach because they don't call their head coach a head coach. They call that him, um, or her, I guess. Someday it will probably be a her at some point, right? Unless football dies before then. Seems unlikely. Uh, oh, there it is. The Bradford M. Freeman Director of Football. So tomorrow I'll be talking to Bradford M. Freeman Director of Football, David Shaw. We'll get his thoughts on what he's seen from Colorado. Um, you know, they had a bit of a down year last year. Bouncing back, I'm sure we'll hear about that. Um, so you can stay tuned to the Tuesday podcast to hear about that. Uh, Friday, we'll be previewing all the Pac-12 games. Saturday, again, we'll be doing the post-game show, just like we did this week. Actually, not just like this week. Um, This is going to be a fun thing that I'm really excited about. And the numbers for the first one were spectacular, um, which is pretty cool because it means that we get to allocate some more resources on our end. And uh, we have some good momentum, which is awesome uh, because the Buffs are actually a really fun team to watch and the Broncos aren't. 
But yeah, so Saturday after the game, we'll do the same thing we did this week. Not sure if we'll have any guests or anything this week. Um, the difference will be that we're at the studio. It'll be more produced like that. Um, and hopefully you guys tune in again because that was a lot of fun. Um, I think that's most of the stuff. It was really weird not going to that football game. I will say that. You know, as cool as it is to try to like spend seven games building what a live post-game show can be, when I was just sitting on my bed with like a my computer playing another game and the TV playing the Buffs game and taking notes on and it, it really isn't the same as being in the stadium. And you know, you get like all the texts from all the bus reporters, or it's like, "Hey, why aren't you here?" and all that kind of stuff. It's like, "Well, we're trying this." Um, but I have a feeling that by the end of the year, we're going to have a pretty cool rhythm going, and then a tough decision to make next year about credentials. But that's not something you guys need to worry about. Um, any other notes about this podcast? Uh, not really. I kind of want to get them all out of the way today so we can just kind of like fly through the rest of the week. Oh, I, I guess I should say the game on Saturday against Stanford, it is at 1.30. Um, so if you guys are looking for a place to watch the game, I will be at the DNVR bar watching it with RK and whoever else is there. Um, because of where the pandemic is, um, and in case you hadn't heard, not in a good place. Good vaccine news. I should say good vaccine news today. It's not all negative. But because things are kind of going up and the restrictions are corresponding with that in terms of what we're allowed to do, um, I don't anticipate that this will be like a watch party um, just because of like responsibility. But if you are looking for somewhere to watch it, um, there will be a limited number of people that are allowed in safely, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it'd be cool to see you there. And then we'll be doing the post game from there afterward. Um, oh, but then I guess the next week we just learned that the Arizona state game will be an eight o'clock start, which means it's going to end at like 1130, which is likely after last call. I don't know. We're still figuring out the bar stuff. Um, but I'll be there this Saturday. RK will be there this Saturday. Um, and we'll be talking buffs after. I think that's all the notes. Um, just like a good day, you know, it's just so nice to have the buffs win and uh, a happy Monday podcast. Also happy because, you know, something that I've been failing to do is get enough sugar in the morning. I know that's like something that at least my mom always said was like a bad thing. Like don't eat sugary cereal in the morning, that kind of stuff. But to me, definitely if I like drink just like a smoothie or something like that, just like a whole bunch of sugar right away in the morning. I just have a much more positive outlook throughout the day. So I think like, I don't know, maybe there's something there. Sugar in the morning, maybe not all that bad. Oh, okay, I guess that's probably it for notes. Um, before we talk about um, what we learned from Carl Durrell today and get into some other notes from just sitting on our thoughts from the last couple of days, I should tell you more about the presenting sponsor of this podcast Green Mountain Dental Group. Green Mountain Dental is awesome. It's a family-owned dentistry. They're huge Colorado sports fans. Uh, they're conveniently located in Lakewood, Colorado, just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver. Um, and, you know, they're just, they get good reviews. I haven't seen any bad experiences. Like, if you're just looking like I am for, like, a dentist that you can just go to and not even have to worry about like you know it's here's the thing i'll tell you this 
I have a guy who cuts my hair who I really like and he does a great job, but he is a bit erratic. You know, sometimes there's like last minute changes and like all that kind of stuff. I trust him because he's really good at cutting hair. That's totally worth it. When it comes to my dentist, the truth is like, I'm not all that picky. Like I'm not somebody who's probably going to come home and say like, oh, my teeth don't feel as clean as I expected. Like I go to the dentist and it's like, oh, I had forgotten that this is even a feeling that a person can have clean teeth. Wow. Um, and so if it's off, I'll, you know, I just want a dentist that is reliable and gets the job done. And you look through the reviews. That's what everybody says. Like, this is a good dentist and I can't really personally vouch for like the cleanliness of teeth. That's not the thing that, like I just said, I don't really know, but I can say that nobody complains about like the, the simple stuff. And uh, so you should get out there. Um, we've had a couple of people from DMVR go get their teeth cleaned at Green Mountain Dental. Great experience. They've said, um, and, uh, the best part is you can get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. So schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, especially if you're drinking a bunch of sugary drinks in the morning. That's something that probably should double your dentist trips. I don't know how this works, but that sounds right. Um, Green Mountain Dental, great people, great dentist, and uh, close to Denver, free stuff. Get out there. Okay. Um, this one might get a little bit off the rails, just a heads up. Um, the plan is kind of just to run through all the notes from talking to Carl expand on anything he said with any of my own thoughts and then just call it a day when we're through it. I'm not sure if we, I'll, I'll pull up some comments to see if we have any of those. Um, I guess we'll just start at the top. He said, it's a very good win. It's a good start. Uh, they made some plays in the second half when they had to make plays. And that's actually what I wrote about. Um, if, if you guys haven't subscribed, uh, I really would appreciate if you guys would subscribe to the DMVR.com. It's an awesome membership. Uh, it comes with a whole bunch of cool things. Um, access to our Discord channel where you can find people talking about the, the buffs or CSU or the Broncos or music or Avalanche, whatever, um, 24 hours a day. You can just jump right in there. It's a, turning into a really cool thing. Um, I'm not sure how many people. I think I heard that there's like a couple thousand now uh, people, and it's it's just like a nice place to talk about Colorado sports. Get access to that if you're a member. Um, you can get yourself like a free T-shirt comes with it. I think right now you get a free T-shirt and a mask, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and also, of course, you get to read all of the written content. You get to comment on this podcast and have me read your comments, answer your questions, that kind of stuff. Um, and I guess this is as good as time as any to plug this. Um, but we need your help right now for this week only. We're having a contest against the other DNVR team podcast to see which fan base buys the most DNVR memberships. Um, there's, uh, you know, it's, it's always like the Broncos eking it out over the avalanche like it seems like every year around this time when we do this um the buffs fans like we show out in a good way and, like it, it, the problem is there just are more people who listen to the other podcasts like as i said like the numbers here are very good considering the size of the fan base is like if people said like compared to the number of Twitter people following the Broncos, like if it was a ratio thing, it's not a ratio thing, but it would be really cool if we could give this Buffs podcast a push in the numbers. Um, 
and and compete you know at least be like a storyline as we track this um for those that don't know dmvr isn't just a podcast network we also offer the best online sports publication for denver sports fans in the world a membership gives you access to the stories on that site discounts every week on merchandise access to our members only chat room for diehard fans oh and even a giant beer at our bar i didn't say that but if uh you are a dmvr member you go to the dmvr bar every single time you buy a beer uh you get a bigger version a 22 ounce beer for the price of whatever size a normal beer is you put that in your hand and you're just like wow this is massive um it's a great feeling um and you should uh take advantage of it for that reason as well um our sign up code for this competition is buffs just b-u-f-f-s you get a free t-shirt of your choice from the dmvr locker you get a free dnvr mask you also get a free sticker pack um i'm not sure if there is a buffs one i think there's a buff sticker pack i can't remember um at least i think that that was something that was going to get done before the season started um but yeah you get a free sticker pack free mask free shirt um it's a great deal you know we, we partner with phil and Phil has like some shirts that he helped design with us. Um, and so there is some cool buff stuff. Uh, the 6236 crying Nebraska kid shirt is my favorite. Um, but you can go to the DMVR.com, click on the join tab, select the annual pass and make sure you use the code buffs when you sign up so that our fan base gets credit for it. Okay. Um, wow. I feel like a salesperson. So far, I've been really selling a bunch of stuff. And we've got more selling to do later on, I guess. Um, but that's how you pay the bills. The point is how we got into all of this. Today, what I wrote about, and you can see at edmvr.com, it's like 800 words talking about this idea that the Buffs made the plays in the second half when they needed to. Um, and kind of Carl Durrell's approach to the game was that Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback for UCLA, is going to make some plays. That's just a thing that's going to happen. You know, at some point, he's going to break a, a long run. You try to limit him. You try to hold him to one instead of three. Um, you know, maybe things go entirely your way and you're able to cut them out. But that is very rare against Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, you know, you, you try to keep him in the pocket. You try to get some pressure on him. You, you try to cover downfield for four, five, six seconds when you have to when he's outside of the pocket. But you expect for him to hit on a couple of the long balls because he is so accurate and because he does have the, the particular skill set that he does have. Um, and because UCLA is one of those teams that is really just built off of big plays, you know, I mean, honestly, you saw it. That, that offense is built off of Dorian Thompson-Robinson going and doing things himself finding an open receiver and hitting him from 50 yards away from across the field, you know, breaking the, I think it was what, a 65-yard touchdown run. Uh, that's what they have. They don't have much of a standard running game. They don't have like a super creative, like short passing game. It, it is a lot of downfield seeing how many big plays they can get. And because they want to play that way, Carl was saying all last week and his coaching staff was telling the players all last week, we're going to have to make plays. We're going to need to be making more plays than Dorian Thompson Robinson makes. And that's how we're going to win this game. Um, the defense held up through the first half. You know, it's kind of crazy going back and looking through those scores, but some important notes, at least what I think is important. They got, they got up 35 to seven. That is something that you just cannot take away from them. And sure, things might have gotten kind of close late, closer than you would like, given that you had a four-touchdown lead. 
But it is worth remembering that UCLA never had the ball in a one-possession game after halfway through the first quarter when the Buffs went up 14-zip on that Jarek Broussard touchdown. UCLA never had a chance to tie the game. You know, they would have needed an interception and then a drive at the best moments in that game from them after the second half of the first quarter. Um, and, And when push came to shove, they made the big plays. And that's something that uh, Carl pointed out as well. You know, he said the defense struggled at points. There were some mistakes in coverage that led to big plays for UCLA. And those are things that we need to get figured out. But at the same time, there were fourth down stops. Nate Landman in particular made an incredible stop on a fourth down that, you know, those are also plays that swing that balance. And so while it is important to look at all the little mistakes that were made that opened some windows for Dorian Thompson Robinson to take advantage of, Colorado was able to make more plays than UCLA did, and that's why they won the game. Um, And so they really did what they had set out to do, which is do what DTR does plus one. Um, This week, though, I I wish I could spend more time. I mean, I wish I could spend any time and just like the meetings and hear what the storyline is. Because if that's what they're saying last week, does that mean that this week when you play Stanford, the the talking points are, hey, this isn't as explosive of an offense. This is an offense that wants to consistently wear you down. You know, they have a good, big offensive line. They have a smart quarterback. And, uh, you know, Davis Mills, the quarterback who came in last year when K.J. Costello got hurt, he played really well. He won the job this year, but he missed last week because of COVID. Don't know if he's going to be back. When Carl talked about him, he talked as, as if the Buffs are planning for him to play this week. And he did say the number two quarterback ran some good drives and and he can kind of get the job done for him as well obviously if you get uh the davis mills back that does add a another gear to that offense really um with semi fioco at receiver Uh, again we'll get into more of like what to expect from stanford later on in the week but this is kind of how carl seems to see it is is that maybe this isn't so much about the big plays this week as it is getting three down stops when they want to slug you going straight ahead every single play as long as they can keep gaining four yards a carry. Um, again, I haven't gone back and looked at exactly what they looked like against Oregon. I could only half pay attention. Um, but I, I am curious if last week was about matching the big plays from DTR, what does Carl think the the storyline or, you know, the the job is this week? Um, I guess that it's the opposite, but I don't really know. Um, what else did he say? He talked about the defense struggling through the first three series of the second half. Uh, gave up 21 points. That was 21 straight points. That was, I mean, I said that they were up 35 to 7. Well, that quickly turned into 35 to 28. And, you know, the Buffs offense then went and responded. They got some points and, again, did not give UCLA a chance to tie the game. Um, You know, those are the big moments where they did execute when they had to. Um, But he said defensively, after they'd given up that 21-zip run, they had to settle down um, and that they did settle down. You know, that they'd kind of been challenged to say, okay, you made some mistakes. 
let's just reset here and do what we can do. They did settle down. Uh, they executed better. And that's where you got to those fourth down stops kind of being defining, I mean, definitely being defining moments in that game that those were opportunities where UCLA could have pulled within a score, you know, and shift really the balance of this game. Um, overall, again, uh, Carl said it was pretty good for a first game, but there are issues to, to correct in all three phases of the game, offense, defense, special teams. Um, very true. Very true. You know, maybe the the fewest with the offense, although they did probably draw the easiest matchup um, in that game, just based on how UCLA's roster is structured. Um, some injury notes. Uh, Alex Fontenot, uh, Carl Durrell said he is still out indefinitely. I don't believe we'd heard that word indefinitely, but we had kind of the way he's been talked about. It sounded like, you know, it might be a while, you know. I think at one point Carl said, like, we hope to get him back this season. But today we did hear he's out indefinitely, um, and it's going to be a number of weeks before he's ready to go. Um, Colby Purcell, uh, who was the uh, injured offensive lineman, uh, he left the game. When did he leave? I think I think it was after halftime. Um, but he's doubtful this week to come back. Josh Gines subbed in for him. Um, when he was out, I'd expect to see Josh Gines there. He was the number two on the depth chart, so that should tell you something. Um, and Chris Miller is also doubtful. Um, he left the game. I'm blanking on the injury. When Carl's talking about it, I could picture it. I can't remember. Um, but with him doubtful, we'll probably see more of Isaiah Lewis. Um, but they've been rehabbing. They've been in the rehab room, um, and things could improve. Um, but that's where those two are at. So Alex, he's out indefinitely. Colby and Chris, both doubtful. And then Katie Nixon, uh, he's still dealing with that hamstring thing, um, which we first heard about three weeks ago, maybe? Right around there, probably. Um, and at that point, they said, like, yeah, he's he's probably going to be good to go. He seems like things are all progressing the right way. But he does still have, like, whatever's going on with that hamstring. Um, Carl said that he's day-to-day um, and that he will just be day-to-day until he's good to go um, and that they'll make that determination later in the week. Um, they said that he probably could have played last week, um, but they didn't push him through. And I think that that is a piece of information that Buffs fans should kind of keep in their mind. Um, the last coaching staff, they pushed guys through injuries. You know, we talked about that a lot with LaVisca Chenault. Um, and, you know, the, the, the conversation was, do you let Visca just sit out three weeks because he's very obviously banged up? Or do you just keep playing him and hope that, he progresses and what Mel Tucker decided to do was have him keep playing um you know typically limited snaps um sometimes it seemed intentional sometimes it seemed like it was because Visca got worse um and we've talked a lot on this podcast about um my feelings toward how Visca was was used you know and talking to him throughout the process it did really feel like they should have sat him down and just let him got healthy and I think that if they had done that second half of the season he would have been a monster he would have been prime Visca but we never 
quite felt like the full Visca was on display last year just because he was so banged up. And in particular, I've talked a lot about being in the locker room following that USC game. Um, because in that USC week lead up to that game, uh, Visca was saying, like, I finally feel like I'm 99%. Like, I'm not back to being myself yet, but I feel like I'm 99%. And we are so close to turning the corner. And then after the game, being in the tunnel with him showing Steven the big bruise that took up most of his thigh because there was the play where Steven got knocked out of the game, and that's probably why that the Buffs lost that game to USC. But on that same play on the backside, Visca took a cheap shot, took a helmet to the middle of the thigh, and then was dealing with that and never did get back to 100%. And so the fact that KD could play, and this might be wrong, um, but I almost remember them saying, like, he could probably play right now. Um when we did first find out about this nagging injury that I think was after the first scrimmage, which was about three weeks ago, I think. It might have been four. No, I think it's three. Yeah, I think it's three. Um, and and so letting him take his time to come back is something that I really like, especially when you have so much depth at that position. Like, don't get me wrong. KD Nixon is your most experienced receiver in that group. He's done so much more playing college football than, honestly, every other receiver on that roster combined. And you could throw the quarterbacks into that group. You could throw the running backs. Oh, I don't know if you could... I don't think you could say that KD has more experience in the running backs, quarterbacks, and running backs combined just because Jaron did get so much run. But I do think that it's probably pretty close at this point. Um, having him back is going to be huge whenever that does happen. Um, but be smart about it. Don't put him in bad situations, um, especially if it means that we get like a couple more snaps for Maurice Bell and uh, Brendan Rice and Keith Miller. Uh, and Carl talked about the freshmen. Um, we saw quite a bit of Brendan Rice. Uh, he was out there a lot. I'm actually going to pull up some of these numbers. Um, looks like he was out there for 14 snaps, five of them passing plays. Um, again, that's that's quite a bit, um, considering he is a true freshman. I think I said Keith Miller's out there. That's wrong. It was Montana Lamonius Craig, who was out there for 12 snaps, uh, also ran five routes. Um Brendan did have a catch. It was that third down close to the sideline, like the near sideline on the broadcast, and uh, came up just short, like a yard short, couldn't extend far enough. Um, on those two guys, Brendan Rice and Montana Lamonius Craig, um, two true freshmen, Carl said that they were pretty good first games. Um, they weren't like anything any great games like it wasn't a standout but it's a good starting point and that there's a lot that they can build on and they have a bunch of potential um anything else interesting um Jalen Jackson was out there for seven plays all run plays um Josh Giants played the last 26 snaps um and Colby Purcell played the first 80 um at center uh, Jarek Broussard was out there for 61 snaps. Uh, Jaron Mangum t- was the number two running back. He had 29. Um, and Joe Davis was out there uh, as the third running back for six snaps. So you're seeing 61 for Broussard, 
35 for everybody else. You know, that maybe it will be about 2-1 to one Jarek Broussard to everybody else going forward. That wouldn't surprise me all that much, especially with Alex Fontenot out. Um, Brady Russell out there for 88 of 96 snaps. Um, Tyler Lytle out there for five snaps. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I should say, uh, Carl was asked about the decision to put Tyler Lytle in there again. Um, basically said, like, we are going to find ways to get Tyler on the field. It was a close competition. We want to keep developing him and seeing what we have in him. Um, and so we're probably going to see more of Tyler Lytle going forward. Um, Maurice Bell out there for 84 of 96. Daniel Arias out there for 82 of 96. Uh, Dimitri Stanley out there for 60 of 96. Um, yeah. So there's... I mean, honestly, not many surprises. It is interesting to see how those receiver snaps broke down. Um, Maurice Bell the most, then Arias, then Dimitri Stanley, um, then Brendan Rice, Lamonius Craig, Jalen Jackson. So with KD back, especially, I mean, you probably, maybe not any of Jalen Jackson. I don't, Actually, I'm not so sure about that because Dimitri Stanley is still going to take plays off. KD isn't going to automatically slide to the slot. And there might be plays where both of them are off. I think Jalen Jackson might have the most stable role of any of the depth receivers, now that I think of it. Um, okay, that was a lot of numbers. Before we jump back into Carl's stuff, um, let's take a quick second and talk about how much we love Breckenridge Brewery. Um, Breck is just incredible. Um, they make so many good beers. I'm going to the DMVR bar tonight, uh, which I'm pretty excited about for that Monday night football game. Get some wings and try any of the eight Breckenridge beers on tap. Um, no Palisade Peach, but that is one that I really want to try. You know, I've had so many different reasons. We did on the tailgate, like, everybody's best combination of two Breckenridge beers. Um, but they had to be two beers that were on tap at the DMVR bar so that we could try them on the show. And so I loaded up and got, like, some of... And I guess not all eight. I didn't get, I think I might not have gotten the nitro Irish stout just because I didn't feel like I needed all eight. Like if I missed one combination, that'd be kind of disappointing, but I will live. The point is I still have so much beer in my fridge. I can't justify trying the Palisade peach yet and adding more. So I guess I'm just going to have to drink all of those beers, just like you should drink a whole bunch of Breckenridge beers. Um, especially that Palisade peach. Um, but if you do want to try whatever it is that you want to try, then you can go to the Breckenridge Brewery beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. Um, a lot of bees going on. Um, and it'll tell you where you can pick up whatever beer it is you want to try. Super easy, super convenient. Um, and it'll let you do that quickly. Uh, also, Want to give a shout out to our friends over at MSU Denver Online. Uh, MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. Um, a couple of our very own staff members at DMVR are actually taking MSU Denver online classes right now. Uh, Harrison Wind has said that 
these are some of the best classes he's ever taken because the professors are super engaged. Um, they're incredibly responsive to all the emails, the questions and concerns, um, and that so many of his professors actually work in the field that the class is about. You know, if it's a business person teaching a business class, it's an anthropologist teaching an anthropology class, um, it's a scientist teaching science classes. Um, and since they're all currently working in that field, for the most part, they have a good perspective of what information is relevant right now. And it's also a great networking opportunity because they're in touch with so much of that community in Denver, um, which is oftentimes the case, a, a very significant portion of MSU Denver graduates. I want to say like 80% stay and work in Denver, which means that there's a great alumni network as well. Um, with everything that's crazy going on in the world right now, um, and, and online classes becoming more prevalent, choose MSU Denver online because they are the leader and have been the leader in online education uh, in the Rocky Mountain region for a while now. Um, you can get more information from Harrison Wind or Ali Monroy uh, if you have any questions about it. Um, but for like the bulk of it, you can go to msudenver.com slash online to check out the 40 plus online or hybrid programs. They'll get you a degree, the 700 plus online or hybrid courses uh, that you can take on your path to a degree or just because you're curious about the content. Um, there we go. Back in to what Carl had to say. Let's see. We touched on some thoughts on those receivers. I should say he also said that there were more reps for those guys um, because KD was gone. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, where Vontae Chenault fits in as well because he was suspended for the first game because of the DUI. Wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I mean, he could be in front of Maurice Bell, honestly. Um, it, it could be right after Maurice Bell in front of... Um, who did we say was next? Brendan Rice was next. And then, you know, so he's somewhere in this mix with Jalen Jackson, with Montana Lamonius Craig. Um, I expect we'll get a depth chart... I mean, maybe there's one in the inbox right now, if I'm being honest. Um, doesn't look like it, but I guess we're going to get uh, all of this week's notes sometime in the next day or two, um, and we'll talk about what those say. Because for this week, Vontae was listed as the number three receiver um, at one of the three spots. Daniel Arias at number one, Brendan number two, Vontae number three, Vontae may be up ahead of Brendan Rice. It could have been just because of the circumstances surrounding his suspension that he was dropped to number three on that list. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, I was really impressed by Maurice Bell. And, you know, it, he's been one who we haven't spent as much time talking about as we probably should have when breaking down all these different guys. Um, really like the eight receivers who are a part of the rotation or are an injury or two away from being in the rotation. Um, but he showed some great things. Um, he he has a lot of run-after-the-catch ability. Like, you saw the wiggle on display. You saw the speed on display. You know, he's one who I'd almost like to see, if the, if the buffs weren't so deep at running back, 
letting him get some touches. You know, he's somebody who I, I'd be curious to see what would happen if you did go five wide and then motion him into the backfield. And maybe he's a better fit there than KD is, which is something that we've talked about. KD being that chess piece. I think Maurice Bell is somebody who you want to get the ball into his hands because good things happen. Um, I'm curious what the numbers say. Um, going back to these pro football focus premium stats, um, you got pretty average grade. I want to see these numbers, though. This isn't it. Oh, there we go. Receiving direction. Um, well, looks like every pass that was thrown to him was completed. Three of them were at or behind the line of scrimmage. I picked up 22 yards on those. Um, one was 0 to 10 yards downfield. Completion for eight yards, and one was ten to twenty. It was a completion for thirteen. So, kind of backs up what I was saying that they they're getting the ball in his hands, particularly behind the line of scrimmage, and letting him work. Um, but that is what you want to see him build on: is adding just a little bit more of the downfield stuff. Um, he's, he seems very capable. He's fast. He he looked like he had good hands. You definitely want to see more Maurice Bell going forward. Um, uh, it's tough to grade. I, I think that uh, if we had to rank how impressive the receivers were this week, I would go Dimitri Stanley one. Um, you know, he he did cool off a bit throughout that game, um, but in the first half, he was. I mean, he looked like he was the the receiver that. Um, Sam was most confident in um, from the start. Like I said, cooled down a little bit later. Um, interestingly, all t- 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 eight of his targets were between the numbers, which again, if you think back to the game, that's what I remember seeing was him dominating the middle of the field um, in the way that you want a slot receiver to dominate the middle of the field. Um, and so I-, I-, I was really impressed and thought that he showed some growth from last season. Um, uh, right behind him, though, was Maurice Bell, who's definitely shown growth because he was actually on the field. Um, and we should say, while we're still here, Brady Russell, very impressive game, I thought. You know, looking at the numbers, uh, it's interesting, 0-10 to 10 yards, one of five um, completions. Um, but you remember there was that little screen pass that was technically downfield. I thought he was open. I thought Sam could have hit him um, for a, a second tight end screen, um, but Sam threw it away. Then I think that could have been a pretty big gainer if he would have just thrown it to Brady. Um, I don't remember that being that many incompletions. Oh, there was the one to Brady Russell. Uh, there was the third down throw. Uh, it was the first third down throw that Sam missed. He had just been money up until that point. Um, and Brady was open sitting at the sticks. Sam just missed him. Maybe he thought he was breaking out. Brady was sitting in the gap in the zone, which is probably the right call. Um, but that was an incompletion. So now we found two of the four incompletions. Um, oh, there was another one on third down. Uh, I don't know. Point is, it was a good game. And what we've been talking about with Brady is wanting to see more of him downfield. Well, 10 to 20 yards. 
two of three completions, 20 plus yards, one of one. We're starting to see that out of Brady Russell. And Carl talked about Brady today. Um, had some interesting things to say. I think uh, one of the reporters, I can't remember who, asked if uh, Brady was going to be um, this much of an impact player going forward. Would he be this much of the offense? He caught five balls this week uh, for doing some quick math, 42 plus 34, 76 yards and a touchdown. So that's that's obviously great statistically. And what Carl said was, this is an offense that's trying to get the ball into a specific player's hands. This is an offense that's meant to get the ball to whoever's open. And we're forcing the defense to make decisions about who is going to be open, but Sam basically is just going to sit there and figure out who's open. And and I really like that because it did feel like it points the buffs have tried to force the ball to specific players and with that specific player being Visca. Um, and that was honestly more so in the 2018 season when Darren Cheverini was a co-offensive coordinator than it was last year. Um, but now with Darren Cheverini as the number one offensive coordinator, it is good to hear that that is the philosophy going forward. Um, you know, I-, I was really impressed with how Chev called that game. Um, I, I wouldn't mind more downfield shots, but in your starting quarterback's first game, his most experienced receiver not there, uh, a running back who looks like the second coming of Eric Bieniemy, uh, you understand why maybe you weren't putting the ball in harm's way by throwing downfield um, so much. Um, maybe a little bit too horizontal. That kind of builds off of the same thing I was saying, though. Um and I'm not too concerned going forward because I really like these players' ability to make plays for themselves. You know, like I was saying, you want the ball in Maurice Bell's hands. You want him making plays. Same thing with Katie Nixon. Same thing with Dimitri Stanley. Uh, I was impressed with Brady Russell's ability after the catch as well, especially like for a tight end. Um, and then Jarek Broussard. So I really like having a, a, a focus on stretching the defense horizontally Maybe a little bit more vertical would be something to see going forward, but you can justify all the decisions were made. Um, Carl said that he was really impressed by Chev's first game. He thought he called a great first game. Um, and I would agree. Um, just going through these breakdowns, eight passes behind the line of scrimmage, uh, 12 passes, 0 to 10 yards, um, six passes, 10 to 20, and then two 20-plus both of them hit, by the way. The one to Daniel Arias uh, across the middle, the one to uh, Brady Russell, who is breaking out toward the sideline. Um, I almost like not putting more of that on tape, though, because that's another thing that we heard uh, Carl talk about is that, you know, it, it was a good first game for Darren Cheverini, but. Now you've given a little bit of tape about what you're trying to do on offense to not not just any football coach, but Bradford M. Freeman, director of football, David Shaw, which is not something you want to do because that's a good football coach. Um, so it's going to be tough for him. It's going to be tough for Tyson Summers this week too. Um, and we'll see what the buffs do um, because in a seven-game season, more so than usual, at least in my opinion, I think that game planning is going to be even more important. You know, when you play 12 games, you're going to have to use a lot of the same plays 
a bunch of times throughout the season. When it's only seven, you can really play with how you structure things. You know, week one, very horizontal, an emphasis on the run game. Week two, do you just go five wide? I doubt it. But that is something that you could do if you have like this package of plays. You want to show people to get scared, run like a little bit of air raid. You know, and it's something that Darren Cheverini has said that he wants to incorporate because, I mean, you have to look at where his experience is. He knows a lot about an air raid offense and he knows what works and he knows what doesn't. The key is blending this all together. And I think this year, maybe a little bit less blending. And maybe you are a little bit more segmented in your play calling from one week to the next. You know, UCLA, we show, honestly, they did show quite a bit of, of five wide. Um, and this is something we touched on the post game show, but it seemed like those first four or five drives, every time Jaron Mangum was on the field, uh, he was getting motioned out and playing receiver. He wasn't running a lot of routes. You know, even if it wasn't like a screen pass or something, he was kind of just like a couple of times sitting at the line of scrimmage, being an outlet option over there. Um, it's similar to like, I guess, if he had just run a swing route, that's where you try to give him the ball. But but we did see some of that empty backfield stuff um, that I think that we could see more of some weeks and less of other weeks. Um, but how Darren Cheverini approaches this seven-game season uh, where you don't go nearly as deep into your playbook as you typically would, um, or at least I, I wouldn't expect you to because you can reuse some of these plays with that. You know, I, it'll be interesting to see what this looks like, how David Shaw and his staff come at this Buffs offense from a defensive perspective um, and, and what Darren has ready for him. Um, so those are some thoughts there. How are we on time? Okay, we should probably keep this moving. Um, oh, great news. Ooh, and I should say, Jarek Broussard is the offensive player of the week in the Pac-12. Very glad to hear that because I went through a panic today when, you know, I was thinking nothing to do on Monday until 11 when we have this press conference. And so I was like cleaning up, did a whole bunch of laundry. Um, I'm really excited to go take a shower because I did like a whole bunch of work around the apartment which isn't that big, but that just means it turns into a massive mess really quickly. Um, until 10.33, when I jumped on, I was like, okay, let's make sure these times are right. Um, just, you know, checking on the email. And I get an email that says, uh, this is from 9.30 saying, one hour left to fill out your ballot for Pac-12 Week 1 awards. I was like, oh no, I missed that by three minutes. If Jarek Broussard doesn't get this by one vote, I'm going to feel terrible. Crisis averted. He still won. Did not need my vote. Um, good for him. Hopefully one of many uh, awards this season. Honestly, like comeback player of the year. Very, very, very much in the race for that. Um, he's. I think he was one of like 53, 54 players that were on the preseason watch list. Uh, Chris Miller being another. Uh, so... I'm trying to think, has anybody, like, like none of the big names, like Trevor Lawrence isn't coming back. I mean, he's coming back to play. He's out with COVID right now, but 
he didn't, he's not coming back from anything that happened before this season. You know, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, none of the guys who are in the Heisman race would be considered for comeback player of the year that I can think of. So the field is very much open. I mean, if, if he does what he did this week seven times, which, you know, it's possible, then you, I mean, I would be surprised if he doesn't win it, honestly. Um, with these numbers likely to come down, you know, under nine yards per carry, um, under, was it nine? It was 31 for 189, I think. Let's see, what is that number? Right. 31. It was just over six. Okay, that makes more sense. But again, six yards per carry, over 160 yards per game, um, which he did pretty easily. A, a couple of touchdowns, that'll put him right in the hunt for a, a national award, which those are those are tough to get. Um, didn't get asked much about Jarek this week, um, probably because he talks so much about him after the game. Let's see. He said the offensive line looked good. Um, the run game, they were opening holes. The pass protection was good. They were able to keep Sam pretty safe in the pocket. Um, and that they weren't perfect, but they had a winning average. And this goes back to what we kind of heard last week um, in the way that Carl talked about, honestly, just the sport of football, being like, you know, you, you win some, you lose some. If you're the offensive line, you need to be winning more than you lose. And if you're the defensive line, you need to be winning more than you lose. And through, through across the field, you have these battles, these back and forths. Um, and he used the phrase winning average when talking about the offensive line today. I like that. I like that thought process, um, that kind of approach. And he also said that he was impressed by the defensive line, or he was pleased by it. He said Mustafa was good, um, pleased with Terrence Lang and Jalen. Um, and that he really likes how deep that rotation is and how many guys they can put on the field without seeing a drop-off. Um, this is another interesting one. Again, this was the majority of the story that I wrote at thedmvr.com, which you can read if you've been a subscriber for a while or if uh, you want to use that Puffs code and get us in this race. I want to win this one just out of nowhere. I want some respect put on this beat. Um, but Carl said that he, he actually he was asked if this team is ahead of schedule and he said no we're not ahead of schedule we have a high standard we have good players we have good coaches and we aren't going to make excuses for not having a spring um if anything he thinks it helped this week this win helped players realize we played well but there's a lot that we can fix and get better at um and i just love that so much i love that so much because this is a situation where you know even though We've heard him say, like, we're not using this excuse. We're, we're not saying, you know, the coaching staff got here late. When they did get here, there was no spring football. Uh, we're implementing this offense. The whole fall has been screwed up. People, the players and coaches have had their minds in a bunch of different places um, because of the, <laughs> the pandemic that you've probably heard about. Um, ooh, here's a good tweet from Brian Howell. Pause this thought real quick. A complete list of Colorado running backs who've been named Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year or of the Week since the Buffs joined the conference in 2011. Today, Jarek Broussard, October 15th, 2016, Philip Lindsay against Arizona State. That is it. This is the second Pac-12 Player of the Week award that a Buff has earned since joining the conference. Um, again, hat tip to Brian Howell for finding this 
let's go. This is what we wanted. The couple of breakout performers is all this team needs to be competitive. Um, But again, going back to this thought process that we aren't going to see this year as a year that we can let go to waste because of these circumstances. We aren't using those excuses. And once they do complete their goals, you know, they're one for one hitting their goal this season. They're also not going to say, Hey, give us a little extra credit because of what we went through. No, that just does not matter after losses. It does not matter after wins. Love it. Love it so much. Um, Let's see. Before we get into all the Stanford stuff, I'm just scrolling through, make sure there's nothing else. Oh, we talked a little bit about getting into a game rhythm, but also how they can't get too far ahead of their skis uh, because of COVID. Love that phrase. So excited to ski. I need. I didn't. I haven't skied at all in a couple of years. But I think the way the schedule lines up, I might be able to go skiing on Thursdays, which would be pretty cool. At least until basketball starts. Huh. Which is. <laughs> which is in three weeks. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he also said like everything is on the table every day, every single day. He's crossing his fingers, hoping that they aren't going to see a COVID outbreak because that is just a thing that could pop up at any moment. And, you know, best case scenario, you're down a few players kind of just randomly throughout your roster. It's like, Oh, you know, Stanford last week, you don't get your starting quarterback. You know, it, it could be Jarek Broussard this week for the Buffs. Or it could be the the fifth running back, a guy. You know, it could be Jaron Mangum, a guy who you're like, ah, oh, I wish we had Jaron Mangum. Joe Davis looked good. Ashad Clayton could get some touches. You can withstand that. Um, or, ideally, there are no positive tests. And there's a bunch of things the team can do, and they're really emphasizing not making dumb mistakes. You know, they've been talking about uh, I think this or this morning in particular, or, or maybe it was even after the win, the way he phrased it. But Carl said that they've been talking about what's happening to Wisconsin. Wisconsin looked incredible. They had a new quarterback. They went out there. They they won. They were one and zero, and now they've missed two games with honestly like no end in sight. At least that's what it sounds like from what I've read. Um, because somebody got sick. And maybe it was somebody's fault. Maybe somebody did something dumb. Or maybe it was just a fluky thing that happened at the grocery store. You don't know, but you need to be locked in because at any day, any point, this can all just change. Need to be focused. Um, So that is an emphasis, but also from Carl's perspective, it does kind of just feel like the lottery. Is today the day we get a positive test? And it's a defensive lineman. We have to hold all the defensive linemen out for a couple of days. Keep testing them. See if anything pops up. Maybe they're going in the week without practice. Maybe something comes up and you don't get them. You know, defensive line is one of the groups where I think you need five players um, to to play. Um, and if you don't have five scholarship players ready, then you probably might not get to play that week. And that's just something that is on the table and should not be forgotten. Um, um, yeah. Oh, what's, oh, I guess, oh, there's, there's some notes on Sam before we get into the Stanford stuff. Um, he talked about Sam saying he's a great leader and he wanted to play hard and he wanted to get people's energy up and he was lowering his shoulder and hitting guys. He was jumping over guys. He was doing all these things, really showing his toughness, showing his leadership, inspiring his team. And 
Carl Durrell is not encouraging that. He said that he needs to be smarter in some of those situations. He said that it's not a good formula over time, um, but it did really inspire a lot of the team to see Sam out there doing what he did. Um, you know, it's one of these weird things. You have a quarterback. I mean, you're not going to tell Tim Tebow not to put his shoulder down, right? And I'm not saying that Sam Neuer is Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is like the greatest college quarterback ever, but he is kind of in that mold in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and so something to monitor, I, I think that Sam should be taking some hits. I think he took too many hits last week. Um, and you know, Carl did say something similar, you know, it's about the situations. And to me, to me personally, uh, I think third downs. Yeah. You go with the sticks. You're near the goal line. You go attack the goal line from there. That's where you get into the kind of, gray area and where Sam needs to be making good decisions about when in that gray area you go for it. You know, if it's third and 20, you're, you don't fight to get a sixth yard. You know, you're going to punt, you go down, you do not take that hit. Um, and there are some very clear situations where you don't take hits, but feeling this out is going to be something that takes some time for Sam. Um, and he's gonna have coaches in his ear telling him one thing, his instincts are going to tell him something and finding this balance and making sure that he plays all seven games this season, that's going to be important for Sam going forward. Um, like Carl said, and I think Carl said this perfectly, it's not a good formula over time. It worked this week. It might work next week. It might work against Arizona State, and you're 3-0 and saying, why am I not lowering my shoulder every time I get the ball? Well, because in week four, that could be the one where something comes and hits you at a weird angle and then you're out three weeks and you're back for the week seven game, the crossover game, whatever it ends up being. Um, so that, uh, is what's going on there. All right. We can hit these Stanford points. Um, the big note is that Carl thinks that Stanford deserves some respect. You know, you can, you can look at the score against Oregon and see that they lost 35-14. Yeah, 35-14. He says, first of all, that score is not indicative of what happened in that game. And again, I didn't pay much attention. It was on during the Buffs game. Um, but it was a really close game through at least the first quarter. And I want to say close to halftime. We'll talk about it once I watch it. But um, Carl says they deserve more credit than 35-14. Um, he says that you shouldn't be expecting them to be the team they were last year because this year's team is probably going to be more similar to what um, Stanford has been over the course of his career or what David Shaw has been over the course of his career. Uh, he's 86 and 34. That's winning 72% of your games. Um, in Pac-12 plays 58 and 23. That's also winning 72% of your games. This is a good team. And what Carl said is that this is uh, this is a game that you need to win to be in the thick of it at the end of the season. And I really like that. You know, you can say, okay, I'm not sure if Colorado is going to beat USC. I'm not sure if Colorado can beat in Oregon. But if you're sitting here thinking, ah, oh, those top dogs, those are going to be tough to knock off, you're getting well ahead of yourself. 
then you, what you really want is for those games to matter. You know, you don't play Oregon this year unless you do make it likely to the Pac-12 title game. And it could be that Oregon doesn't make it to that and they wind up in the the 2v2 matchups, north versus south in that week seven. But what you want is to keep giving yourself opportunities. You know, that means you have you have to beat the UCLAs. You have to beat the Arizonas. To be in the thick of things, you also have to beat the Stanfords. And, and that's what I think Carl was trying to get at, is that these middle-tier teams, if, if you sweep these games, then all of a sudden, you beat USC, you or I guess Arizona State there too, you beat USC or Arizona State, your record's going to be right there with either one of them at the end of the season. You beat both of them, you're, you're likely going to win the Pac-12 South. I guess Utah's in there too. There are three good teams in the Pac-12 South. Um, and there are three teams that aren't that good. Um, you know, if Stanford was here, I'd slot them dead in the center. Um, and that is what this team is. You got to beat the average teams. You have to beat the bad teams. And then you got to see what happens on the field against the good teams. And if you just don't blow it against the nine teams, the eight teams that aren't in those top three or four, you're giving yourself a good chance. Um, but this is a very big game because you want to have that 2-0 momentum going into Arizona State because Arizona State's a good team. Arizona State likely will beat Colorado. I'm not sure what the line will be set at, um, but it might be double digits depending on what plays out this week. Um, so you want to be giving yourself a little wiggle room. <laughs> if you lose that game, you want to be 2-1. and one. You don't want to be 1-2. and two coming off of two losses. Um, and who do they play next after that? Let me pull this up. You know, I, I then you're going to play USC, which, again, is a tough game. Before you get Arizona and Utah, it's a tough schedule. It's just a tough schedule. Um, I think that it was built in a way that might favor Colorado, but in terms of the six teams they're playing, good teams. Um, but, yeah, this is a big one. Because otherwise you're in that situation the Broncos are in, honestly, where it's like trying to fight back and get to 500. They could have gotten the Falcons yesterday. I was happier about what I saw than I think a lot of Broncos fans were. Um, you know, in the way that Colorado Colorado made all of their plays early in the game with a couple of key plays late in the game, UCLA made all a lot of their plays in that middle portion of the game and kind of almost got it back to me a game. All of the Broncos' plays came late, but that doesn't mean they didn't make those plays. And I think that with a young quarterback, you're not going to get for a whole game. And and the fact that you could have made all of these plays but in a different order, you know, if you put your last drive into the, the first quarter of the game, um, you put your second to last drive somewhere in the middle of the game, then all of a sudden you're saying, oh, this is a good young team. They just didn't quite have enough in the tank. Why does it matter where those plays were? Like, that was not garbage time. They had the ball needing needing 80 yards, 40 seconds, no timeouts. Like, it's not a perfect situation. But they had a chance at a Hail Mary to send it to overtime. That was a game until the end. They did enough to keep themselves in it. Um, this isn't the point of this podcast. Um, how was I tying this to Colorado? I honestly don't know. I've been talking in circles. We're an hour in. Should probably cut it off. But yeah, that was the big note on Stanford. This is a big week. You need you need this one if this season's going to be what it could be. 
Um, you know, you, you can't be dropping games to Stanford. You want to give yourself some wiggle room against teams like Arizona State and USC and Utah, um, which still are just a, a step ahead of Stanford until Stanford proves it, at least in my mind. Um, I think, was that everything about Stanford? Looks that way. Um, he did say, I, I should throw this out there, um, his evaluation Stanford is a good team. It's not the same team as last year. Um, the starter's probably back this week at quarterback. Um, he'll probably play pretty well. Uh, Carl was impressed with the number two guy. He engineered some good drives. There were some field goal mishaps. They'll get some things corrected, just like the Buffs will get some things corrected. And this week is going to be another big challenge. Um, plus all that other stuff about this being an important game that I kind of built upon. So that. Oh, we're going to we're going to check for comments. Not going to keep forgetting that even though I kind of have a habit of doing it. Um and while I pull those up, I should say uh that World Golf Tour is not only the most popular golf game in the world, it's also the official gaming partner of DNVR. It has become so popular that we've opened a third DNVR country club. Each country club holds about 250 people. So we've got a lot of people playing with us and you should join us. Um, if you don't want to feel left out anymore, you can download WGT and join the DNVR three country club by going to dnvrgolf.com. Um, sorry, I clicked on a link. Uh, we will host weekly tournaments with awesome giveaways. So make sure you're signed up to win easy money and beautiful DNVR swag. WGT golf is the most realistic free golf game loved by more than 20 million players around the world. You can play WGT golf from the comfort of your couch or anywhere on the go. Talk, Oh, talk about the most memorable recent gorge match or shot. Um, I struggled in the, uh, election open, which is held over the weekend. Um, I'm not sure if we've announced the winners of the prizes and stuff. Um, I am confident that won't be among them. I guess I'm probably not allowed to win them anyway. I hate that I'm not allowed to win any of the things we give away. Um, but yeah, uh, you can play close to the hole. You can play uh, the full game. Um, you can play on world-famous courses, including Pebble Beach, Bethpage Black, St. Andrews, Bandon Dunes, Wolf Creek, and so many more. You can play head-to-head -head with us, um, with DMVR community members, or with your own friends from outside DMVR, or with people from around the world in tournaments and in real time. You can also play Top Golf, which is pretty cool, um, on the app, um, and also in real life, I should say. But uh, yeah, go to dmvrgolf.com and download WGT Golf today. Join that DMVR3 thing and play with us. Okay. Um, one comment comes in from our guy silver buff. And he says, we were told there'd be no buffs this year. Here we are after a win and a promising offense against UCLA fix those big plays on D and we will see more wins emphasis on plural, despite what the media says with a single or zero win expectation. Ah, dude, we've got silver buff feeling this positive about CU football. Let's keep building on it. Uh, see what the buffs can do against Stanford. Again, we don't know what Stanford is. If if they win, this could have turned out to be an easy game. This could be a bad Stanford team that everybody is going to beat this year. Um, or it could turn out that three weeks from now we're saying, oh, wow, Colorado beat Stanford? 
Maybe they do have a shot at USC. Or things could be different, and the Buffs could lose, and Stanford could suck. It could be their only win of the year. Uh, they could lose, and it turns out Stanford's a good team. So, again, it's not time to get too high on the Buffs. UCLA is one of the bottom-tier teams in the conference, one of the worst in the Pac-12. You know, I'd probably say they're like 8th out of the 12, ninth out of the 12. Um, but just about everybody had Colorado behind them. And so we've got that going for us. We've got uh, Stanford on the way this week, a chance to really prove that Colorado belongs. And that's when you're going to start getting national attention if you get a win. Um, don't know how much. Again, we don't know what Stanford is yet. It's one of the more confusing teams of the conference. You know, it's not like going out there and beating an Oregon. It's also not like going out there and beating a Cal, which, you know, people see Cal as an up-and-coming team in the Pac-12, a team that could be ready this season to compete with Oregon for a Pac-12 North title. Or maybe they're still a year or two away. But that is a trend people have seen. Also, they have COVID and haven't been able to play. So we'll see what happens there. Um, point is... Can't get too high on a win over UCLA. Can certainly get higher over win over Stanford. Don't know how high. Um, but then Arizona State on the way too. The Buffs are 1-0. Good chance to go 2-0. And we're going to be talking Stanford all week here at the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. If you guys want to leave comments like Silver Buff did, I'm going to plug this one more time. You can subscribe to the DMVR.com. Uh, there's a post for every show on the website it's easy to find there's like podcast tab the buffs podcast tab and then you just click on the most recent one you scroll down you leave your comment that's something that only members at dmvr get to do so use that code buffs sign up and support us because we appreciate that as weird as it is to ask for your money it is something that businesses are kind of built on doing so here's our one week a year our subscription push please do it um, and I really appreciate all the support. And as always, like five-star podcasts or five-star reviews on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, those are all like worth gold to us. Subscribing to the YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. Um, the more money we get from sponsors, the less money we need from your own pockets. You can think of it that way. Um, but also, please give us your money this week. Um, that's going to do it for today. I will be back tomorrow with another podcast after hearing from David Shaw, which I'm really excited about. Um, as well as hearing from, I should might as well plug this podcast now. We're plugging anything. Uh, looks like, oh come on, I gotta be able to find this email. Uh, oh, we'll be hearing from a couple of assistant coaches tomorrow and some players. Um, so all of that searching through my emails for very little information, but that's what you can look forward to. Appreciate everybody for listening. Be back tomorrow. I think I like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway.
an official. Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the last. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring. Green. Throwing blows, knocking down team after team. I think they like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Get a bus with my Colorado swag My Colorado swag My Colorado swag I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag My Colorado swag My Colorado swag Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag Have you ever seen a Ram? Nine Boulder, Colorado Buffalo is what I am All the teams come and follow When I start, hit the field The opposing crowd swallow Cause they know I'm about to kill He gon' feel that tomorrow Whole team full of war Got me feeling tribal, Big 12, here we come We ain't worried about arrival If you want it, come and get it, we'll wait for your arrival When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival Why you make it, why you make it, yeah, you better bring your Bible Quick, big, blind side, flat line, no revival Get them bust, get them bust, mess them up, we say we got them If we don't, then we'll get them when we see them Then we out like my Colorado sway Cause when I'm in that play